talking Major League Baseball and uh, great guests coming up uh, right now. Our good friend, world's former World Series champion. Should say never say former because once you're a World Series champion, you're a champion. It's like a boxer. I mean, once you're a champion, you're a champion. You don't take it away. Plain and simple. Uh, multi-time All-Star, World Series champion with the Philadelphia Phillies, great career with the Milwaukee Brewers back in the day as well. Beloved wherever he goes, and a hell of a golfer too. My man, pride of Sacramento, Jeff Jenkins, joins us now. Jeff, what's happening, brother? TC, what's going on, man? It's all happening here, man. A very, very busy day, as you well know, man. Uh, August 1st, uh, trade deadline day. Uh it is pretty chaotic on, on this day, right? Yeah, and you know what? The players are glued to the CD because if you look at the schedule, everything's a night game tonight, and which rightfully so on trade deadline day. You want to make sure that uh, you know all the deals go through, and, and a lot of the pitchers that may be pitching that day that could be getting moved, uh, you definitely don't want them thrown on that day, especially the people that are trying to trade for them. So um, just a cra- you know, crazy day, lots of movement. Uh, obviously I think the biggest one of the day, um, the Astros getting Justin Verlander back. I mean, now, you know, you've got Framber Valdez with Verlander and, and, uh, Christian Javier. I mean, that's, that's a three headed monster right there. And I think, um, you know, Dusty, Dusty's looking at getting a second title after that move. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, when Verlander left in free agency, and we all kind of knew that was probably going to happen, but I know deep down inside Verlander, you know, wanted to stay, kind of much like Carlos Correa wanted to stay the year before when he bolted for Minnesota. Well, I guess what? He bolted first what uh, for New York and then San Francisco and then and yeah. all, all that stuff. And, you know, his agent was in his in his mind saying, listen, man, you could be the, the four million dollar man i mean you could you know the 400 million dollar man i should say and uh you know sometimes you know players listen to that i get that verlander you know is going to take a whole bunch of money the astros we're not going to pay him that but i think it's uh, pretty cool that he's going to end up back there and i can tell you that the, the the clubhouse the guys are very very excited to welcome him back and like you said this is exactly what the astros needed this is going to be that injection shot in their arm because they've had plenty of injuries this year uh you know from the batting side you've had alvarez miss games you've had altuve miss games brantley still hasn't come back then from the pitching side you know valdez and javier have not been good uh recently you lose Garcia, you lose Urquidy, you know, basically for the entire season. And you've had these young guys that have had to come up from the, from the minors to basically fill roles for the Astros. So I know it was like nervous time the last few weeks there in Houston, but now you're starting to get more healthy. Now you get Verlander back. I mean, it, it, it has to be a very joyous time for our good friend, Dusty Baker in that clubhouse right now. Yeah. And I, and I think Bake, you know, he's such a very smart and strategic, um, you know, uh, manager, um, obviously growing up in the National League, but, uh, you know, he's going to be very smart, uh, how he gives these guys extra days of rest. Uh, you bring in Verlander in, they'll probably bring up uh, a couple of minor league guys here and there to pick up some games, maybe push them out even as a six, uh, you know, six man rotation, just so, you know, you don't have too much wear and tear because they're a playoff team already, if not the division winner. And, uh, they're, they're going to be in the postseason. So it's a matter of how do we get to that finish line of the postseason? And at the start, how can I make sure all my guys are healthy 
uh, and on the same track and, and really ready to make that postseason run. You know, Jeff, I'm sure that you've got some some trade deadline stories or if there were rumors or whatever, but I shared early on in this hour that, you know, last year, one year ago today, I was actually in Houston with Dusty on this day and was with him these hours that were led up to it. And I got a chance to see the behind the scenes chaos that goes on with that from a manager's perspective when, and you remember how the Astros were at this time last year. I mean, they were just rolling. They're well over 20, 25 games over 500. Uh, and Dusty was really happy with the team they had there. But, you know, the general manager wanted to make some moves to try to strengthen them for, for October. And there's a lot that goes into this day. And as the clock is ticking down, so I got a chance to, to witness a lot of that firsthand. I thought it was, it was total, total chaos from that perspective. How about from a player's perspective? I don't know if you ever got traded on, uh, on, 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 on a day or you were rumored to be or you had, you know, your, your close brothers there in that clubhouse go through it. But talk about what this day means to a player. Well, in Milwaukee, you know, it was a very unfortunate situation because we, we, I was on the kind of the, the lowly teams back in the day, losing 90 to 100 games. And, you know, you're just fighting and scratching and clawing for everything you can get. But we, we really had, as far as the trade market was concerned, we were a seller almost basically every time. And, and it was very frustrating when you're playing, uh, you know, addition by subtraction, if you will. And you just, you're, it's just like you're, you can't get above water because you're, you're constantly, you know, you're trading, you're trading the guy like Richie Sexton away, but you're getting, you know, five D backs in return. You're, you're getting Carlos Lee in a trade, but then you're getting rid of Jerry, Jeremy Burnett. You're getting, and just so all these things, these factors go into play. What I will tell you to give you a little bit of uh, feel for what it does feel like for a player in the clubhouse um, being in Philadelphia and making a couple of moves to help us. And we eventually win the world series in 2008, but it basically, when you have a great player and he leaves your clubhouse for another team at the deadline, it's just the biggest gut punch you can ever feel because you're like, you're not going to go out on that field the next day with the same team you had the day before with all that, that power and strength. And if you're the, on the other side of it and you're the receiver of that player, like for instance, when the Brewers traded Josh Hader last year to the Padres, imagine what that was like to be Manny Machado into that club, into that, you know, San Diego clubhouse when you're like, Oh my gosh, we just got Josh Hader on the back end of our bullpen. I mean, it is, uh, you're just like, you know, you can just ready to run through walls. So there's definitely a, um, a high and a low to that whole situation. I have them on both ends. <laughs> Most of the time it was on the, the ladder, but the, but it's uh, it, it's an awesome feeling to get a great player walking into your clubhouse. Absolutely, Jeff Jenkins uh, joins us. Eleven years in the big leagues, World Series champion with the Phillies in '08. Many many years there uh, in in Milwaukee. And you know when you look at this this day right now, okay, the Astros are sky high. How are you feeling if you're the Texas Rangers? Because here it was two days ago. You get Max Scherzer, and that's another team that has. Some pitching woes. Now they have upgraded themselves this past year in the offseason. You know, we get Marcus Simeon, uh, Seeger, you get other guys like that. It's like, whoa, okay, this is, this, this team can, can, can go now, especially, uh, at the plate. But still, you look at this Texas Ranger team and you talk about the psyche. It's like, hey, they just got done playing the Astros and they lose two out of three games, uh, in that series. And then now you see what the Astros do. You go into action tonight only with a half game lead. Talk a little bit about from the Rangers' perspective on on how they're feeling right now. 
Well, I think they're flying high. I mean, you've got, first of all, you've got just a number one Bruce Bochy running, running the helm. And no, there's, there's nothing better than that. When you know a manager's won, uh, is it four world championships? I yep. can't remember. Is he three out of five years yep. or whatever? Yep. He, uh, you know, you just, you already know that you have the right leader on the field that's going to take care of the X's and O's. But, uh, for them to go out, and I really think one of the catalysts for them, uh, was going out and getting a roll this Chapman early, uh, and really setting the tone a few weeks before, um, before the trade down trade deadline was even going to be a factor, they went out. They've got they got somebody that throws 100 miles an hour left handed. Put him in the bullpen. Now you add a couple of those starting pitchers. They got Montgomery, I believe, from uh, St. Louis too. Um, and and that's just uh, you know uh, what's his name just went on the DL. That's why they probably went out and got an extra couple of arms. But when when Eovaldi comes back and he's healthy, they'll have seven arms on that team. And I'm telling you what, to get to the finish line, you know. You, you need all those seven arms. Now you're going to only go into the postseason with four to five of them as your starters. Probably you're going to go with five, but you just don't know from start to start. And in the postseason, it's over before it's, before you know it. And so if a guy's has a bad start, you'll have a little backup in there, either, either, either to, to shorten up that pitcher start and bring somebody out of the pen, uh, somebody that can go long, or you're going to make a change and bring one of those guys in that you traded for and inject a little energy into your, into your, uh, starting staff. Yeah, yeah, and the Rangers a a very dangerous team that we've uh, we've seen. I mean, they're getting uh, a lot of great production, you know, from guys like Garcia, Lowe, and we mentioned Simeon there, you know, uh at it, it, it the top. And like you said, they have strengthened themselves big time uh, you know, from a pitching uh, standpoint. How how real do you think the Rangers are as far as as being? We know obviously they're a contender. They they're going to battle with the Astros probably down to the wire. They're both probably going to get in. One as a, a division champion and one as a, a wild card. But uh, talk a little bit about the Rangers. I think I think the Rangers' offense is probably for me is probably the most dangerous offense uh, out there. Uh, just just I mean they've got this kid Duran that hits eighth in their lineup and he's as dangerous as anyone. So it's just one through nine. It never stops. Their catcher absolutely rakes, uh, all the way around the infield. Everybody, I mean, from Jung playing third, um, you know, and Semien and, and, uh, Seager, uh, Lowe at first. I mean, it's just, it just never ends with their lineup. So offensively, they'll be fine. Where I think the difference could be is this, is, is the pickup of Verlander for, for the Astros. I just pitch I just know. And the, so I always tell people in the regular season, you play inning game to game and inning to inning. In the postseason, it's pitch to pitch. Every pitch seems like it's going to be a three-run homer, or it's going to be a strikeout, or somebody's going to kick a ball and it's going to affect the game. So that what that tells you is is that the pitching really, really, when it comes down to crunch time, the pitching really dominates. And having a guy like Justin Verlander that's been there, that's one at the top. I mean, it's sure ballot Hall of Famer, just got his 250th win. I mean, that's just. Uh, it's just such a, a, a confidence boost for the organiz- for that organization. I wouldn't be su- I won't be surprised if Texas, you know, they're going to be a postseason team too. I wouldn't be surprised if they go on and, and they are be- the better team. It just something tells me that this Verlander pickup is such a monster deal to get him back in Houston where all the vibes could come back. Exactly. I think that's a, a big piece of it as well, too. You're getting a guy that is coming back to where he won two championships and coming off the Cy Young Award from last season. And now, okay, it's like he took a, you know, a, a, a four month break or something like that. Hey, now he's back, you know, and so that comfortability with guys in that clubhouse playing in that ballpark. Uh, again, getting back on that mound, 
I, I just think, yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it is a, a huge advantage for the Astros, especially considering the problems they've had, uh, you know, with the, with the rest of that staff. So I'm with you. I think it's a, it's a huge jolt for the Astros. Hey, sticking in the American League here, everybody made a trade today, I believe, except one team. And that one team, is the Yankees, and this is a team that has struggled. No, they just they did just it? traded for someone. They just yeah, they just traded for for a guy named Middleton from they from, did uh, the White the White Sox. Sox. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, I was going by uh, before we came on the air today. So there you go. So talk a little bit about the Yankees and and what do you see for this team now? Judge is back. We get that, but still seems like a lot of holes on this team. Well, my best friend is the manager there, and Mr. Aaron Boone, and, yep. and uh, you know I, I know he's doing his best uh, with what he's got. He's definitely had a lot of injuries, and you know you can't make those excuses. Everyone does have injuries, but man, they have the pitching staff has just been through these ups and downs. And man, yesterday yesterday was the, one of the weirdest things I've ever seen, and I and I haven't spoke to Aaron yet about this, but I'd love to be a fly on the wall to know what actually happened because in that Yankee game um, they brought up uh, Jorge Brito to pitch in, in for uh, Domingo Herman, who has been pretty lights out, who obviously had the perfect game earlier in the season. And for some reason he couldn't start because something was, they scratched him, I guess, because of the shoulder. But then all of a sudden, uh, Brito threw like four innings and then they brought Herman out of the pen <laughs> to, to throw like four innings. So it was the weirdest, weirdest scenario I think I've ever seen for the guy that was supposed to be the starter and did not start the game, looked like he was scratched, and all of a sudden they're bringing him out of the pen in the third inning or something to throw four innings. And I, I don't know. It, was just, it just tells me that there's, you know, there's a little dysfunction going on right, right now, I think, it, with, with, uh, with the team. I, I know that not having your man there, having, having Judge out there being hurt, uh, having that toe injury that he got against the Dodgers, that was, that was very unfortunate. And it's tough when you don't see that. Aaron Judge name in your lineup every day going out there with confidence, just like we talked about. But, uh, you know, Rizzo hasn't been hitting very good. Um, some of their role players haven't been, been doing a great job. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's weird. You know, in any other division, they'd be, you wouldn't even be like that panicked because they're five games over or something and they'd be first place in a couple other divisions. But in the East, you know, they're sitting in the, in the cellar looking up at all the other teams and, and you're not going to catch. I'm sorry, you're not catching Baltimore, and you're not catching. Um, I just Tampa, don't think you're going to yeah. catch any of, those, any of those teams. I mean, maybe you can finish third, but you're not catching Tampa or yeah. or Baltimore. They're just too good. Like you said, you know Aaron Boone probably better than anybody. He's a, a close friend of yours, and when you're the manager in New York, whether it's the Yankees or the Mets, I mean, and you're not winning, you are going to get heat. Uh, thoughts about the job that that Aaron's done here, and. Um, how much of this is, is on a manager? Because as we say, you know, people look at the results and they, they're always pointing fingers at the manager and not realizing, okay, hey, we've had a ton of injuries here, but just speak to Aaron Boone as a manager in your opinion. Well, I think Boone's done an amazing job. I, I think, you know, um, it was, it was obviously a hot button topic when they hired him because he was coming out of the booth and had no previous managerial experience, but Playing with him at USC, I had always known he was a manager. He was managing back then when we were playing at USC on all the games. And so I already know, you know, and, and obviously Bob was a manager and, and all that stuff. So it, it was already in the, in the bloodlines for Aaron to do that. Getting the Yankee job now, that's another beast, right? But, but I think they brought a guy in that was very positive, can handle the media, very good with the X's and O's. And listen, the bottom line is 
you know, it's all American League baseball now because there's the DH is in both leagues. So there's no double switching. Um, you know, a lot of the GMs are sending out lineups. I don't know if that's how it goes there or not. Um, but you, you listen, you have your players, you've got your skill set. Yeah. I mean, at the, you, you got to coach them up, but the reality is we're already big leaguers. We're already there. We're already working hard. We're in shape. Uh, we, we, we plan, we prepare, uh, we study, we take our batting practice. We try to eat correctly. We take the field at 7 PM and we try to win ball games. And at the end of the day, you're either good or you're not good. And there's no, there's no excuses, guys. Every, every team's got injuries, uh, you know, and, and you know, the Yankees haven't have had their own, but at the end of the day, you know, I think Booney has done a good job. He's won, he's won a hundred games two or three times or been right around that mark. So he's, he's winning the games, but they're just not quite getting to the finish line. But my worry is that this year, you know, for them, if they don't get to the postseason, I'm, I'm definitely very worried uh, on his end for, you know, because it's New York, right? You yeah. gotta, you gotta, you gotta answer the bill. You got it. Jeff Jenkins uh, joins us. We've talked a lot about the Angels and Otani up until about the past 48 hours, 72 hours or so, because everyone's thinking, oh, maybe they'll make a move or not. But Artie Moreno came out basically last week and had said this even last year that no, he goes, I'm, Otani's not going to go anywhere. Uh, risky for them that they could lose, uh, you know, him and not get anything in return. But I guess they feel that. You know, they may have a shot to, you know, back in or maybe, you know, maybe get hot here and get into the postseason play. And then, as we know, once you get into the dance, I mean, anything can happen here. Give me some thoughts on the Angels and the decision by the Angels to not trade Otani. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you're talking about, uh, you know, you know, everybody wants to use Babe Ruth, a modern day Babe Ruth, because he pitches and hits. And he's not just, the MVP is a hitter right now. I mean, he's, he's top five, top seven pitcher too. So it's unlike anything we've ever seen. It's transcendent of times. It's, it's really cool that it, you know, he comes out of Japan. Um, you can only imagine I played with Hideo Nomo back in the day and they used to line the streets and watch the TVs, the big Trinitrons. They put his games on the TV, uh, and watch him pitch in the street. Um, and so you can only imagine uh, what, to what degree is going on right now back home for him. So I think as an Angels fan base, it's very, it's very disappointing because they're not going to resign him and they're not going to pay him, you know, 550 or $600 million to play baseball, I don't think. And so if you're, if, if that's, if that's absolutely the, the decision that you're going to make and you're kind of like a flirting with 500 or just above it and, and, you know, to make a postseason, I personally, I, I I know it's hard, but I think the right move would have been to trade him and get like just, I mean, five just blue chip prospects and really, really set yourself up for two or three years down the road. I know that they did a great job bringing in a couple of these players from Colorado because uh, they are great players. Um, and I hope they make the postseason and, and have a great run. That would be awesome to watch uh, Otani and Trout in the postseason, but they really need Trout to get healthy because he's been hurt. And as you've seen, he hasn't, he, they've just been walking him. They've been putting them on first base. So um, I'm a fan of Otani. I think it's an amazing story, uh, but I do think they should have traded him. All right, let's uh, talk a little bit about the National League here. And, again, the other side of this trade were, were the Mets. And we know this team really has been a disaster this year. Uh, they send the Astros not only Verlander to pick up two prospects, one a pretty good prospect uh, there in Houston. But here's the kicker, Jeff. The Mets are also sending the Astros $54 million as well. 
And the Astros are only going to be on the hook for $29 million for Verlander for this year and next year. So basically the Mets are saying, Hey, uh, you know, kind of like the, the line for Moneyball, you know, you go with uh, Billy Bean saying to, to David Justice, like, Hey, he goes, I'm not paying you $7 million. The, you know, the, the Yankees are paying, uh, are paying us, uh, you know, for, for you to go away. And it kind of seems like what the, this is what the Mets are doing. Obviously they, uh, Mark Connor, he's gone now. Uh, Scherzer's gone now. Verlander's gone now. And they are getting some very good prospects. What Acuna's uh, younger brother, who should be very, very good, you know, down the road as well, too. Maybe the Mets, this is the direction sh- they should have gone with, you know, maybe prior to this past offseason. But talk a little bit about what you're seeing the Mets do in the fire sale, which the owner said, hey, we're not doing a fire sale. But then the GM is really conducting a fire sale in the last 48 hours. <laughs> well, that's comical that they could even say that because this is an absolute dumpster fire yeah. right now. I mean, the fact that, um, you know, at the start of the season, you know, we're, we're talking up the, the, the Mets as being a contender. And you know what? This is the, this is a classic case where you can have all the money in the world and you can go, I'm going to get a player, a player, B player, C. And for them, they, they got about eight different players and brought them in studs, right? And you put them all in a room and everyone's an alpha at that level anyway. But just because you get all this talent in a room doesn't always equate to success. And it's, it's hard to believe that, but I really believe the, you know, what I feel bad for the Mets, uh, during the World Baseball Classic, when Edwin Diaz went down, when he blew his knee out celebrating, and I almost remember, I remember thinking to myself, like, "Ooh, this is this is one of those omens that you see that you're like, oh, I don't, man. I know they they can go out and get a closer, but it's just this is your guy at the back end, and he's such an energetic guy, and it was it was such a cool thing to see last year when he was coming out the Timmy trumpet out of the bullpen. It was just like it was the thing to watch. You're like, okay, the Mets are going to be must watch TV and and, uh, you know, it just, it just never, it was just stuck in idle. It just never got going. And, you know, I give them credit. I think, you know, they're just not going to be a winner this year. And, and I didn't see him doing all this movement. Um, but you know, the reality is Verlander and Scherzer, they're, they're at the back end of their, of their, you know, careers. And so. If you're not going to win, I, I think you got to trade them and you got to get some prospects. All right. All right. What about the Dodgers? Dodgers and the Padres. And you look at the NL West here. Uh, not a lot of major moves with these two teams, but uh, give me some thoughts on who comes out of the West. Well, I was shocked by the Dodgers not going to get. Um, I mean, I really do believe the Dodgers are setting up their team after last year, get, you know, trading t- Trey Turner um, and, and moving some money away from the team. I really think they're setting up a big play for Otani in the off season. I also think that's why you might've seen them not maybe either give away some money or bring on a lot of money. Uh, as far as contracts are concerned here in the trade deadline, I was shocked. They didn't go get Dylan cease from, uh, from the Chicago white Sox. Um, it was just a starter that I think they need. Um, I don't know if uh, Walker Bueller is going to be able to come back or not. That would be an amazing injection for them, for their team, but I still think they're going to be very competitive. They can rake, um, you know, with Betts and Freeman and all these guys. I mean, they, they're, they're going to be, they'll be a great playoff team. I don't know if they have enough to get to the finish line. I don't know if, I don't know if the bullpen and I don't know if, uh, you know, the, the starters lengthen out enough to go and, and, and go fight against, uh, you know, an Astros or, or Rangers or, 
um, or a Padres even. All right. All right, he is Jeff Jenkins, uh, great player back in the day, World Series champion with the Philadelphia Phillies in 08, uh, and an alumnus of USC. And you brought that up, my friend. So before I let you go, I got to pick your brain here. What do you think? I mean, you're you're not really a a a Pac-10 or a Pac-12 alumnus anymore. You know, your school's going to the Big Ten. How did that hit you? You know, <laughs> seeing USC and UCLA and other de- uh, defectors. I mean, what are you going to be watching? Uh, you, you know, you're going to get a big, tw- uh, big ten T-shirt now. What are you going to do, man? I, 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 you know, well, I definitely, I definitely will because we're, <laughs> we're going to be in that league in another year. But you know, we're, we're still in this. We got last year in the pack. I listen. I said it all along. I think when the the Pac-12 messed up is when uh, we could we couldn't get their games on like regular satellite. You had to have a special, you know. Um, uh, I forget what the, not on direct TV. If you had to get something else to just watch your USC game or your, or your Oregon state game at night. So it's just like they started when they, when they, whatever, I forget what the commissioner's name was, but when they started that whole, uh, you know, ball down the road, I just think it really started this like, um, cause the East coast people, they don't know about the pack. They don't watch the games cause it's too late. Right. So you have to figure out a way to market your team on the East coast. Well, what better way if they can join the big 10, uh, you know, and now you're going to play nationally televised games at different times and they're going to see you play. I, I just think it's good for recruiting. Um, you know, I think unfortunately that things evolve and, and things change. And right now you're going to see these super conferences come together. I mean, it's just unfortunate, but it's the way that the money's going. And, um, you know, hopefully they get some guardrails on this whole NIL deal. Cause I think it's a slippery slope with, with paying all these kids all this money, I do want to see them get, you know, compensated, but I think it's, it's starting to already get ridiculous and it's only going to get worse. So I think they need to do some things to, to get control of it and, and just have some rules in place. Because if you don't, I think we're looking at a situation where there's about 12 teams that could win the national title every year and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Larry Scott was a commissioner you're referring to up and, uh, was there till 2021. And, uh, he does get a lot of, of the blame from people because of, like you said, the lack of TV deal and everything else that, uh, that has happened here. But it, it is crazy. I'll say from a baseball perspective, I mean, it's, it's going to be great, I guess, because now, I mean, the travel is going to be horrendous. But there's not a lot of Big Ten baseball schools as from a powerhouse perspective, you know. So baseball may get a little bit easier, you know, for for those teams. Well, I'm I'm hoping that they, you know, I was thinking about that too. Uh, I went to a couple of USC games toward the end of the season, and um, you know, they're I think they're hoping that the schedules will be front loaded West Coast style, <laughs> right? <laughs> of right. course, you know, because I mean, you got to take advantage when it's colder, maybe to get some warmer weather, and but I'm sure. That's something. That's not the only sport that they they would deal with. So it's uh, I'm sure that they're looking at all facets and all that kind of stuff. But I think there's a certain excitement. I think I I can't wait to go to watch USC play at Ohio State. I can't wait to go. I mean, there's just like you know before you had to wait for this to happen in the postseason, whatever. um, You know, in a playoff game or whatever. But now it's every it's gonna be every year. And you know, go to the big house. You go to. I mean, just it's gonna be very very cool to. Um, I know they're just as excited to have them in there too. Yeah, no doubt. Jeff, I appreciate it, my friend. Uh, we'll let you, uh, get back to the links, man. You know, Mr. Scratch Golfer over there. 
How's that game doing, man? How's that game doing? Well, yeah, it's it's a, it's a it's a it's a one right now. So. Oh, it's a one! Dang! Yeah. Oh, you better you better go get some more private lessons there. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, my my guy. Hey, I appreciate the time as always, man. Let's do this again. Uh, love the insight, and uh, you're all over Major League Baseball, man. I appreciate the time today. Yeah, you got it, CC. Anytime, brother. Thank you. There he is, Jeff Jenkins, pride of USC. There, gotta like that. All right, great years with the Milwaukee Brewers and then winning the championship when he went to uh, Philadelphia in 